Thank you for tuning in to Avant Life's weekly podcast. We hope this message inspires you, stirs your faith, and leaves you blessed. It's such a great honor to be here in Avant Life Church again and share with you uh, in this series of messages that are so central to all of our lives relating to our finances, our kingdom giving. And uh, so I, I'm excited to share with you. I feel like, I mean, it's the Christmas season, but I feel like if you'll receive this into your heart, to your life, then I'm actually giving you a gift. Uh, we love your pastors, Ben and Emma, the whole team, and uh, how exciting to have these different venues where uh, different congregations gather together. Um, I want to start by telling a story about my son, Ben. Uh, he was a teenager. He was about, I think, 17, uh, maybe 18. He had a summer job. And uh, he had been raised in our home where you had learned to tithe and give 10%. That's what tithe means uh, of your uh, earnings and honor the Lord with that first. So he'd, he'd learned that, grown up that way. Now he had a summer job. And uh, he was sitting in church and the offering time came to give to honor God and he looked in his wallet and if he gave his tithe he was only going to have ten dollars left and he needed to buy gas for the car but he wanted to go for lunch with his friends as well if he tithed he could only do one of those two things so he went ahead gave his tithe and went to the gas station to get gas he was going to miss lunch so he went in to prepay for the gas and when he went in the girl behind the counter said, hey, do you want some free gas today? He said, well, sure. How does that work? She said, well, the guy that just ran out of here came in, prepaid for his gas, asked me out on a date. I said, no. And he got so flustered that he got in his car and drove away without taking the gas. So you can have the gas. So my son is like, oh, my goodness. I just gave my tithe a few minutes ago, and I've experienced a miracle that fast. Later that week, when he got his paycheck, his boss mistakenly overpaid him. He went to his boss and said, hey, you paid me too much this week. It's more than what I worked. And the boss, who was a believer, said, well, hey, it must be a blessing. I wonder if you have an experience or where you are living, if you're living this way, where you feel like the supernatural partnership of God is involved in your finances. What I want to portray to you today is that God is interested in the financial aspect of your life. If he wasn't, he wouldn't be interested in you because all of us are very interested in our finances. Now with smartphones and everything, you probably check your bank balance at least daily, if not multiple times a day. We spend an awful lot of time and focus on our finances. And God wants to be involved in your finances. I also believe that this area is one of the most practical ways that you can experience the supernatural in your life. The miraculous. Things that come your way unexpectedly. Blessings that you couldn't have anticipated. And you're able to give glory to God. I want to give you some principles today. Because this realm is not about quick fixes it's not about one-offs. It's about lifetime principles. One of the things that you hear in the financial world a lot is the power of compounding interest. 
And if you understand compounding interest, you know that it's a long game. And in the realm of financial partnership with God, it's a lifetime commitment. It's not always a quick turnaround. It's not always a, you know, from rags to riches story. It's a lifetime of principled living. So I want to give you some principles called principled kingdom giving. Kingdom principled giving. Let me jump into this in just a moment. But before I do, this is an area where if you want to go online, you can find the whole spectrum of opinions about this area. Obviously, people take it very personally. It can be controversial. It doesn't need to be. So let me give you two sentences. I don't have time to go into all of the explanation. Your wonderful pastor, Ben, can do that in detail in some course or class that maybe he'll decide or not to teach. Sorry, Ben, just gave you an assignment. Let me give you two statements on how we interpret the scripture as spirit-filled believers. First of all, we receive... All of the teachings of Jesus and of the books of Luke and Acts as for the church today. And they also can be used for prescriptive theological practice and understanding for today. Second statement, we interpret the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament. And we receive and apply the truths of the Old Testament as Jesus and the apostles did. If we're going to understand this topic, we have to understand the starting point of our hermeneutic, how we interpret the scripture. So let me give you the first principle. And this is the thing that everything else is based on. If you get this, you've got the foundation to build on. The first principle, God is my provider. God is my provider. My employer is not my provider. Serbs not my provider, the federal government, Mr. Trudeau, none of those people are my provider. God is my provider. Genesis 22, verse 14, one of the names of God actually is the Lord will provide. Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. One of the characteristics of our God is that he made us with the design that he would provide for us. When the children of Israel left Egypt, God did this amazing thing. He said, I'm going to feed you. Keep in mind, there's a couple of million people at least. And they had to eat every day, multiple times a day. And so every morning they would wake up and there would be this miraculous food on the ground. It looked like a wafer, it tasted like honey and uh, was apparently tasty. But every day for 40 years, God provided for them what they needed. And it demonstrates that the heart of God is to be your provider. God created us so he could be our provider. It's like God is saying, I made you so I can bless you. God's delight is that we would depend on him and be in a relationship with him. But instead, we tend to just sort of say, okay, God, thanks for your help, but I'll take it from here. We want to have our independence. And that's one of the big issues that people struggle with with a relationship with God. 
He says, I want to provide. I want to bless you. I want to be in partnership. I want to be in a relationship with you. But ever since mankind has fallen, we have tended to want to lift ourselves up and push God away. The first principle of kingdom giving is God is my provider. If you get that, you'll get the rest. The second principle is kingdom giving requires that we bring the first and the best. Not the leftover, not whatever happens to be there at the end of the month, the first fruits from the top, not from the bottom. When we are blessed, the first thing we need to do is to acknowledge God and give thanks. You know what you receive. You count your blessings. When you acknowledge God, you actually are aware of the flow of blessings in your life. And when you return the, the first fruits, you have that ongoing joy and experience. Some people approach giving to God with sort of a, well, whatever I have left after I paid everything. But the biblical principle of kingdom giving is we give the first and the best. Listen to this scripture from Malachi. The people were finding loopholes in how they gave to God. And this is what they were doing. They were, in this case, to bring a sacrifice. And listen to what God says. When you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? When you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? What the people were doing was giving the worst and the last and the least rather than the first and the best. And Malachi says, you, you wouldn't do that to the governor or to the mayor or the queen or, you know, Mr. Trudeau. You wouldn't do that. But yet you're doing that with God. So the principle of bringing the first fruits, Exodus 23, 19 says, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. I just want to emphasize again, the reason for this is if you don't do that, you will not be aware of how much God is blessing you and how much he's increasing your blessing. Third principle, you cannot serve both God and money. Luke 16, 13, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. A kingdom principle of giving is that we serve God and money serves us. But many people have not settled in their heart. Am I going to serve God or am I going to serve money? And Jesus says you can't do both. You can't balance it. The only way to put money in its place is to honor God with it. The only way to break the fear of not having enough is to let it go and let God take care of it. I, I, don't, I don't know if I have the courage to do it, but Bob Dylan has this song called You Gotta Serve Somebody. And I think, I think in this setting, you know, I, I'm just gonna read you the lyrics because they're great. 
you know, maybe live I could do it if you encouraged me, but I, 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 I can't feel it here in this room. I mean, I love the people who are here. It's great, but here's the words. He says, you may be an ambassador to England or France. Oh, I'll do a little. You might like to gamble. You might like to dance. You might be the heavyweight champion of the world. You might be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're going to have to serve somebody. It doesn't matter who you are, you're going to have to serve somebody. The first principle of kingdom giving is God is my provider. Second principle is we bring the first and the best to God. Third principle, you cannot serve both God and money. We serve God and money serves us. Fourth principle, money influences spiritual growth. Someone listening to me is going to think, I, I, don't, I don't agree with you there. I want you to listen to what Jesus says. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. He says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. If you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Now listen. If you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth... Who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? What Jesus is saying here is if you want to grow spiritually, you must walk in obedience regarding money. If you want to grow, you've got to get this area aligned with God. Rebellious behavior with money will keep you from growing spiritually. That's a pretty radical thought, isn't it? A lot of people say, yeah, I want a growing God. I want all the blessings of God in my life. But this area, I'll take control of it. And what Jesus is saying is this is a small thing. And if you can't bring this small thing into submission to God, how could he trust you with the greater riches of heaven? The true riches of heaven. Money influences spiritual growth. The fifth principle. You can choose to live a blessed life. I want to be blessed. Do you, do you want to be blessed? I, I don't know that there would be a person in the world who would prefer to be not blessed than blessed. I want to be blessed. Well, how do I live a life that is noticeably, with me being aware of it, a blessed life? How do I do that? In Haggai chapter 1, it describes the opposite of a blessed life. It says, You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. That's a picture of someone who's not living a blessed life. It's like everything you put in your pocket or the pocket of your life seems to fall through whether it's relationships or finances or whatever it is. This verse says, when you're not under the blessing of God, your life is like having holes in the pockets, living outside of God's protection, never enough, never satisfied, going further into debt, never at peace financially. Now let me give you the other picture. This is God's picture, his desire. 
I love this passage so much. The metaphors of God's desire to bless you really are pretty mind-blowing. In Malachi 3, it says, Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you say, how can we return when we have never gone away? And Malachi describes how. He said, should you cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you say, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Then verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, listen now. I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Then God says something that he says nowhere else in the scripture. He says, try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant. This is an agrarian culture. Let me put it this way. Your businesses will be abundant. They'll be protected. And then he goes on and says, I will watch over you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Blessing you so much, you won't have room enough to contain it. Now, that's not just talking money, but it includes finances. Let me just take a moment on the tithe. Jesus does not remove the tithe in his teaching in the new covenant. What he condemns is people who exchange a legalistic view of tithing for keeping justice, mercy, and faith. Jesus condemns legalism. But listen to him in Matthew 23, 23. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and Pharisees? For you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Now listen, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So Jesus, he could have said, don't bother with that. Just focus on the more important things. But he says, you should tithe. Yes. So you get to choose. We get to choose today. To live in a financial life where it's like our pockets have holes. Where we never have enough. Where we're going backwards. Like we're being robbed. Or... Choose to live under the open heaven of God, where there's abundance, where the true riches of heaven are in your life, where you are able to live content, whether you have much or whether you have little. Because in the mix of all of this relationship are the spiritual riches of peace, of the promise of supernatural provision, supernatural partnership. Where you're able to say, because you give accurately, you count your blessings. It takes away fear. This church can have a testimony in the community of generosity. Philippians 4.19 says this, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You can be rich in Christ you can experience blessings in this life and forever in eternity. The blessings of God are far more than money. It includes blessings, but it includes marriage and family blessings and influence for good and sons and daughters in the faith. It includes teaching your children 
about these principles so they don't grow up in this materialistic culture to worship money. And the pockets of your life won't have holes. So the fifth principle as we come to the end of the five is the tithe protects you. It's your partnership with God. The offerings are your seed for multiplication. And the Bible says if you sow generously, you will reap generously. Let's take a couple of moments and just review those five principles of kingdom living. I know sermons, you're not supposed to do five. You're supposed to do three. But maybe you could even put these in your phone and, and remember them, meditate on them. Because if you'll apply these to your life, I'm promising you it's going to make a difference in your relationship with the Lord. Kingdom principle number one and the foundation for the whole thing is God is my provider. Not anybody else, not my bank account, not my social security. God is my provider. Kingdom principle number two. When we give, we bring the first and the best. Not the last and the lowest or the leftovers, but the first and the best, the first fruits. Principle number three. You cannot serve both God and money. You have to choose. And it could be that someone here is struggling with God over money and maybe money's become too big in your life and this is a moment for you, but you can't serve both. Fourth principle, money influences spiritual growth. If you bring money under God's authority, you will experience spiritual growth. If not, this will always be an area where there's a block in your growth, in your faith, in the supernatural, in your life. Money influences and kingdom ideas and principles influence spiritual growth. And fifth, live a blessed life. Make the decision. A life with holes in your pockets or a life with the blessings of God so much that you can't contain it. Learn the principle of the tithe and the giving of the offering where there's increase that comes after that. So five kingdom principles. Let me tell you a couple of stories now. Because principles are interesting, but stories are what we remember. The first is of a man who lives somewhere in this region. His name is Jim Pattison. Jim Pattison loves the Lord. He's a man of God. And I've had the opportunity to become acquainted with him. And on one occasion... I, went, I was down at, uh, near his office in the Shaw Tower, and I, I asked his assistant if I could have a word with him. She said, he's coming down the elevator. You can walk with him to his next meeting. It's seven minutes away. <laughs> so the doors opened, and there, there was Jim Pattison. And uh, I said, hi. Maureen said I could walk with you. He said, great, let's go. So we're walking through a, a, a mall uh, down in, in downtown, and he turned to me at one point. He said, so what are you preaching about these days? And I was in the midst of a series on giving. And I said, well, I'm actually doing a, a four, five-week series on finances and money and giving. And he stopped right in this mall. And, he, and he, he wasn't quiet. He said, good. Teach your people about giving and about God's principles. He said, they get love and they get forgiveness and they get a relationship with Jesus. They, but what they don't get is the relationship with money. He said, let me tell you a story. When I was first 
working. I had a, a small salary. I was a salesman in a car dealership. And, and I'd been taught to tithe regularly, give my 10%, and then give offerings. He said, I was doing that. And I, I had a small salary. Let's, let's say it was $500. It was a long time ago, a month. And I was giving my tithe. And he said, then, lo and behold, God blessed me, and I was able to get a big raise. And now, now I'm making a lot more money. And I came time to give my tithe, and here's my thought. I thought, huh, that's a lot of money. Isn't it interesting how when you think of tithing on $10, it's $1. It's not a lot of money. But when you think on tithing on 100000 all of a sudden we stop and say, whoa, that's a lot of money. This is why you have to have principles in your life. So he said, here's what I did. He said, I realized as I wasn't tithing any longer, my businesses were going down. And my finances were not being blessed the way they were before. And I was convicted of God. So he said, I don't say that somebody else has to do this. But Mr. Patterson said, I went to the bank and I borrowed all of my back tithes. And I went to church that Sunday and I gave my tithes to the Lord. And I've been honoring him with tithes and offerings all of my life ever since. Now, I'm not saying, <laughs> be, be clear, I'm not saying that if you honor these principles that you're going to become one of Canada's richest men. Somebody just wrote in their notes, honor God, become a billionaire. I didn't say that. Some are given that responsibility. Most of us are not. But the point is, everybody has to start somewhere. You have to begin. And you can only dream in your mind of what God may do in your finance. But if you don't start, you'll never know. You'll never experience those miracles. You'll never experience that provision that you didn't see coming. It just came out of seemingly nowhere. But it actually was the hand of God. The second testimony is mine. I learned to tithe when I was four years old. <laughs> My dad had a TV show way back and he would go to these communities, we do TV rallies, and all these people would come, and my dad and mom were musicians, and so I'm a little guy, four years old, you know, like Moses, a beautiful child, uh, red hair, and you know, whatever, pale skin, <laughs> and they would stand me on a chair, and I would sing songs at these rallies, and I learned quickly that if I sang well, and I smiled, that the old ladies would come and put money in my hand, and so here's me, this little four-year-old guy, and I've got a pocket full of money. And I remember one time my dad taking me aside. I have a vague recollection. He's told me about it. And he said, okay, let's take these ten coins, and one of these belongs to the Lord. You keep the nine. So as a little guy, I learned to honor the Lord. All through my life, I've been honoring God. When we got married, Karina and I, we had some discussions about this because she'd grown up in a house where the, the father said, no, your time is your tithe. Friends, I want you to know your time belongs to the Lord as well, but it's not your tithe. That's about the finances. And so I just want to say, Karina and I just got back from Mexico. We were celebrating our 40th wedding anniversary, and we just spent time talking about the blessings of God. And we can't believe it. We, we can't even explain the blessings of the Lord and what he's done in our lives. And yes, it's in our finances. Yes, beyond what we could have imagined or ever earned on a pastor's salary. Yes, it's also in our relationship 
with people, with our children, with our grandchildren. It's in relationship with people that, that we're mentoring and walking with in life. And it's having a reputation that honors the Lord. It's having blessings in your life beyond what you could imagine, much more than the finances, but including the finances. So let me ask you some questions this morning. Are you prepared today to take some steps of faith? Will you do something with this? The first step of faith, I want to ask everyone in the room, would you be willing in your heart and with your mouth in a moment to say these words, God is my provider? Would you take that step of faith? Because for a lot of you, that is a big step of faith because you feel like you've got to take care of this area. By saying that, you're declaring, you're determining to make God your financial partner. You're determining to live by principles, to build a budget, to be wise. It's not just pie in the sky magic, folks. There are actual physical principles of budgeted living and not spending more than you earn and all of those basic things, but honoring God first. You're saying, by saying, God, you are my provider, I want to be blessed. I'm willing to take a step of faith today. I'm prepared to make this a spiritual principle for life, like compounding interest, that it's a long commitment, not a quick fix, to say, God, you are my provider. I'm going to ask you if you'll do that in just a moment. The second question I want to ask is to those of you who have not been tithing regularly, consistently, accurately, You've been sort of doing whatever's left over when you feel like it, if it's a good offering invitation. You've not been living by principle. And the, God, the Bible says that that's actually robbing God, that that belongs to the Lord. A lot of people talk about percentage giving. Maybe you say, I, I just can't start with 10%. We'll start with two, start with five. And then by faith, incrementally increase it and watch God bless your life. Remember, the Lord says, try me. Try me in this and see. Tithing is a tutor, a teacher that leads you to a legacy of generosity. And there are some of you in this place today. And you need to begin today. Before you leave this building, you need to calculate what would 10% be? How could I honor God? How could I return what belongs to the Lord? So for some of you, when I pray in a moment, it's going to be that you're repenting of keeping what belongs to God. Thirdly, there are some people here and you are called to the gift of giving, the spiritual gift of giving. You are made for this. You are stewarding wealth or you are prospering in your business. It just seems like you're the type of person, everything you touch seems to be blessed. I want you to know you are being blessed to be a blessing. And I want to challenge those with the gift of giving, those who are entrusted with stewarding wealth to increase what you sow, to start to see, can I answer the question, how much is enough? For people who have a lot of resources, this is an important question. How much is enough? John Paul Getty was asked that question, one of the first billionaires in America. 
Someone said, how much is enough, Mr. Getty? And he said, just a little bit more. How much is enough? If you have the gift of giving, that's a question you need to answer. And it, you choose your lifestyle, what car you want, where vacation, home, whatever. If you've been blessed and you can afford that. But just decide how much is enough and then determine, and I'm going to give the rest away. It's a powerful thing to meet someone with that gift. I want you to know that in God, nothing you give is ever lost. He keeps track of it. Maybe, maybe you've been hurt or you've been burned or disillusioned and you think, no, I, I'm not doing that anymore. But God is going to heal you of that because nothing that you've given is ever lost. Maybe this year you can give the most you've ever given. And maybe next year you can give more than you gave this year. Join with your pastors in vision for this city, for the province, for our nation. If you have that gift, can I call you today? Lean into it. Because you're not going to find fulfillment in this life if you don't give it away. That's what you're called to. And finally, before I pray, there is someone here and you feel far from God today. You don't feel close to the Lord. You're trying to get money and it's failing you. You're working on relationships or partying or whatever and you don't have inner peace. Can I tell you, you are on this earth for a purpose and you will never fully know that purpose, that peace, until you welcome Jesus into your heart. So I'd like to ask everyone, would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Lord God, I pray now for my friends. I pray for those who today are going to make that commitment. God, you are my provider. If you are that person today and you've never stated that by faith, would you say it right now, wherever you are? God, you are my provider. Lord, there are some in this room who have not been honoring you with their finances and they're deciding today that they're going to begin. Call them, Lord, to that place of blessing that their life would not have holes in the pockets, but it would be a blessing that they could never contain. Lord, I pray for those with the gift of giving, that they would rise up and, and they would step into this calling as a unique calling and let them have great joy in the midst of it. And if you're that person and you feel far from God today, I want you just to pray a very simple prayer with me right where you are. You don't have to say it loud, but pray it from your heart. I'm going to help you. This means I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. I want to know God in a personal way. If you're that person wanting to come to Jesus, pray this with me. Lord Jesus, today I give you my life. I invite you to come into my heart. Forgive all my sins. Wash my heart clean. I believe you are the Son of God. And I say with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. Thank you for hearing my prayer. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The final thing I want to do before we close today is read to you a blessing. We all sang the song, The Blessing, uh, during COVID, it was a great thing. But it's taken from Numbers chapter 60, chapter 6, verse 24. And as we think about our finances and walking by faith, let me declare this over you today. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. You know, I want to start again. I want to ask you to stand if you're not standing. And like we're coming into the Christmas season, when I give my, my kids or my grandkids a gift, we, we hold our hands like we're receiving it. And so standing on your feet, I wonder if you'd hold your hands and I'd like to read this blessing over you. And I want you to receive it by faith. You ready? I'm going to try again. Here we go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. Amen. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this message. We would love you to subscribe to our weekly podcast. Other ways you can connect with Avant Life is through YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Or check out our website at avantlifechurch.com.